for ourselves, we need to try and focus on what's right because, you know, you can always pull yourself to bits and and that's not going to get you anywhere. It's only going to take you down through sort of anxiety and um, dissatisfaction with yourself. You know, you've got to learn ways to bolster yourself. So, yeah, looking in the mirror, finding something that's great and thinking, it's all right. And welcome to Conversations in Confidence, a podcast by It Cosmetics UK. I'm your host, Rose Gallagher, the UK and Ireland brand ambassador. And each week, I'm going to talk to some of our friends from the industry about their own confidence journey. Today's episode is slightly different as we're all currently tucked away in our own respective homes. So Alice Hart Davis is kindly joining me down the line from her living room. Alice is one of the industry's most trusted beauty journalists. Over the years, she's established herself as an authority, writing several books and contributing to all kinds of publications, such as The Telegraph, The Evening Standard and The Daily Mail. She has countless awards to her name, including the annual Achiever Award from Cosmetic Executive Women, which is an award chosen each year by peers for someone contributing an immeasurable positive impact to the beauty industry as a whole. In particular, Alice is known for her knowledge of cosmetic procedures. So for those wanting to explore this as an option, she's the go-to for recommendations of trusted practitioners and tips for how to undertake a safe and successful procedure. Today, we're going to demystify the whole notion of tweetments and find out what she's learned about confidence along the way. So here she is. It's Alice Hart-Davis. Good morning, Alice. Hi, Rose. Thanks so much for inviting me on. Oh, we've been so looking forward to having you because I think, you know, there's so many things that I'm looking forward to discussing with you today, but you have so many different strings to your bow as a journalist and author and all the rest of it. And I'm just really looking forward to hearing some of your insights, really. Fantastic. Well, ask away. I'll, I'll see what I can do to, um, to answer your questions. Fantastic. So... One of the things that I think everyone knows you for, Alice, that it kind of makes sense to begin with, is that within the industry, you really are known for being the authority on tweakments. So for someone hearing this word for the first time, how would you describe a tweakment? Okay, um, yeah, tweakments, these are non-surgical cosmetic procedures. Um, Really, they're minor medical procedures, and they're things like injections of filler or toxin or using lasers or skin peels and that kind of thing to make small, sometimes temporary, sometimes a bit longer lasting improvements to the skin or the face contours. And what I think I should say before I go any further on this is that um, this area is not well regulated in the UK. So you need to be really well educated around it. I mean, that's that's what I'm trying to do to explain what goes on in the whole world of treatments Mm -hmm. for anybody who's curious about it because I know there's a lot of curiosity out there and if you want to go anywhere near these things and I know they're not for everybody you you need to be really well informed so that's why I'm providing you know the book the website all the social media I do you need to also pick a really good practitioner because there is no regulation around who can do these procedures in the UK you know you or I can go and kit ourselves out with needles and syringes and start injecting filler in, in, into anyone tomorrow, which, which is completely terrifying. Yeah. Um, so you need to pick the right person. You need to know exactly what you're doing, which means educate yourself, seriously, seriously educate yourself. 
And um, yeah, like all the doctors, I'm calling for the industry to be better regulated, but that's a way off. So yeah, understanding the whole area is key. Um, just finding out about it in a sensible way and not um, letting other people's stories sort of run away with it. And when did you first become interested in tweakments yourself? Oh, gosh, it was over 20 years ago. I mean, I was working on the Evening Standard and they always like to be very up to speed with everything that's going on. And the features editor there, who's a fabulous woman, she said, you know, get out there, find out what are these doctors doing, all these private hospital dermatologists or um, GPs who had started um, offering these treatments privately. Um, it, it was very kind of curious and secret and um, nobody talked about it even more mm. than they don't talk about it now. Um, but she wanted me to get out there and find out what was going on. So I started to ask around and it was fascinating hearing what these guys could do uh, with their lasers or their needles. And because I was in my late thirties then and with three small children, you know, <laughs> which is a time of life, you start looking in the mirror and finding your eye bags have grown separate little bags of their own every few mornings, you know, because <laughs> uh, at first you start, I started off looking at this thinking, oh, you know, who would ever do any of that, which was the prevailing attitude among, among most of my friends then and, and still is now. But after a while of talking to these doctors and realizing what they can do, you start to look in the mirror and think, hmm, would it be so bad just to try it, just to see if it would make a difference? Yeah. Because, um, it's when you look in the mirror and you don't look in the mirror how you feel on the inside, as in you feel fine and lively and as young as ever on the inside, but the mirror is telling you you look tired and you look cross. And then your own mum says, don't be so anxious when you're not anxious at all. You're just thinking. Um, and that's the point at which, for me, I started thinking, hmm, maybe I'll see what these guys can do. I think it's really interesting that you say there, Alice, that when you were first looking into this, it was definitely something that people weren't speaking about a lot and that even to a degree, there isn't a huge amount of conversation around it now. But you are such a proud advocate for treatments and, you know, you're someone that really celebrates every woman or man's right to enjoy a treatment without shame or without judgment if it's going to make them feel more confident. Do you think that's part of why that's so important to you, the fact that these conversations aren't perhaps as open as we would want them to be? Oh, totally, totally. I'm really trying to open up the whole conversation around this because it just isn't there at the moment. Um, in what you could call the aesthetics bubble, you know, the, within the industry where you have all the nurses and dentists and doctors whose whole business is doing this and where I spend a good deal of time working, Everybody talks about, oh, the stigma around treatment has gone, but it really hasn't. You know, as soon as you get out into the real world, even if I run events or I was doing events um, before we were all locked down, getting people to come along and meet top doctors and explore treatments technology and the people who were coming along and they were wise up enough to know that this was going on to have paid for a ticket, but they were still really conflicted about whether it was okay to do this, whether it was okay to come along and talk about this stuff. That whole conversation in people's minds about, is it okay to do this? Uh, will I be thought of as vain? Should I be spending money on myself? Um, shouldn't I be aging gracefully? 
all of that is still very much present in people's minds. Um, so yeah, much more so 20 years ago, but it hasn't gone away. No, and it's funny that you should say that. I am always quite fascinated whenever I see perhaps prolific makeup artists or people in the industry that will say, oh, I've had this done or that done. I've noticed a few people recently. And then I'll always see what people are saying in response. And I just think it's really good of those people to come out and say, I've had a little bit of a nip tuck here and there because they're making it clear that the fantastic results they're getting are from a number of different places. And it's not just one wonder concealer or one wonder cleanser. You know, I think it just sets yeah. a more attainable standard for what is achievable versus what you might need a little bit of extra support to achieve. Oh, Rose, that is such a good point. Uh, what drives me mad is the way that celebs will not open up and talk about this. Well, very few of them will do. But mostly they will say, I had wrinkle relaxing injections once, but it made me look weird. So I stopped doing it. Now I've taken up deep breathing or I have a yeah. face cream or I've gone vegan or I do yoga. And that's why I look so great. But you think, come on, these people are having a lot of help with their makeup, with their clothes styling, with their diet, with their exercise routines. You know, they are also getting a lot of help with their face. But because of the sort of judgment they get around doing procedures of any sort, they're really, really reluctant even now to talk about it. And that's so unhelpful to the rest of us because, you know, we see these, these goddesses looking absolutely incredible and yeah. I still look at them and think, wow, they look amazing. And it becomes obvious when the treatment's gone too far and you've got people with frozen foreheads or dropped eyebrows or puffy cheeks. But there's an awful lot of sort of midlife famous faces now who look just fantastic. And they've looked pretty much the same for the last 15 years. And that doesn't happen naturally. You know, nature is not kind to us as we get older. Our, our faces start to collapse on the inside you know we lose bone from our jaw from our cheeks you know and we also lose fat from the padding in our faces so the face is kind of shrinking on the inside which means that the skin will hang that bit more slackly over it and you know these things happen to all of us so, so uh when you get these people who or friends will say to me wow but so-and-so looks amazing. I don't think they've had anything done. But if you took that person and you put them in a, a lineup with their classmates, say class of 76 or 85 or 92 or whatever it is, and you go along that line looking at signs of aging in the face, and for most people, they will be showing a bit of dry skin, rough skin, pigmentation, sagging, line setting in, and then whoops, there's one outlier in this lineup <laughs> who has escaped all the signs of aging and did she just win the genetic lottery maybe but you know she's probably getting a bit of help so it's when people like that won't admit to having any help it's really unhelpful because the rest of us look and and think oh but she just does deep breathing maybe if i did that that would, would be the answer me. so back to your your point you know you really need that honesty to come through so that people think, oh, they do get help. It might be okay for me to get help as well. It's the people who deny having Botox that particularly annoys me because it happens so much that I get asked to write articles by the newspapers about 
um, the Botox backlash, they always want to call it. They say, everybody stopped doing Botox, so what else are they doing? But I know if I go up to any of my Dr. Powell's at conferences, I, I go to conferences in this area all around the world, and, or used to, and say in the coffee breaks, hey, Dr. So-and-so, I gather you're doing less Botox. Uh, and they look at me like, is this a leg pull? And um, I said, well, the thing is, every interview with a celeb I read, they all did it once and then they stopped and now, and then we all have a good laugh because the doctor says, you know, this is my number one procedure, always has been, will be for the future. Um, nobody is doing less Botox. They're just having it done more subtly to yeah. get more natural looking results. So they just look great. It doesn't look obvious. Um, but that's the kind of work I'm keen on that leaves people looking like themselves. You know, it's one of the reasons I like to talk about it a lot, just because people say, oh, well, you look fine. You don't do much of this stuff. And you think, I, I have had pretty well every procedure going just to write about it, to try it. A lot of them I do quite regularly. Do you just kind of take an ad hoc here and there? You might have a little bit or? Yeah, it, what people ought to do, anybody who's considering this, is to find one practitioner who they really like, who understands their face and make a plan with that practitioner that maybe first you'll work on some skincare to improve um, your complexion and then you might move on to this and then you might move on to that. But yeah, I have lurched around from person to person and treatment to treatment, very much driven by what my editors wanted me to write about. But what do I do regularly? I like injections of toxin to soften my wrinkles, soften, not, not to wipe them out, just to mm -hmm. soften them in, in my forehead and around my crow's feet, which I will have a couple of times a year. I like to let it all fall out so my face goes back to normal before I have it done again. Yeah. Um, I like a bit of filler here and there to prop up uh, the structure of my face, really, rather than to add volume. You know, I'm at an age where a big lip would not look right, but I had some lip work done recently by a brilliant practitioner who just made the edges of my upper lip sort of sit upright in a way that they start to counteract the way they droop with age, which, which was really interesting to hear her talking about the architecture of the lip and improving the architecture of a middle-aged lip rather than just simply shoving in volume. It's, it's much more subtle and nuanced than that. <laughs> I love uh, radiofrequency treatments, which, which tighten the skin. They're like shrink wrapping. They, they heat the collagen in the skin to the point where it thinks it's been injured, well, it has been. And so it tightens up a little bit and it also produces new collagen over time. So that's a really good one for any skin tone or color because it's just working in the lower surfaces of the skin. And that gives us subtle overall tightening. Sorry, I could go on. I think well, I could. No, it's fascinating. <laughs> it is, it's so fascinating as well, to be honest, Alice. I think a lot of the things that you're going into detail about there are terms that I would perhaps read and see, but I don't fully understand what they mean. So it's just oh, really sure. interesting mm. to have that kind of um, basic guide to them all. And that was actually one of the things I had a big deep delve into your website this weekend. And I know oh, I yeah. mentioned it to you before, but I just think it's so fantastic how concise everything is. And there was just so much 
on there and so much reading for someone that is perhaps new to this for someone that isn't new to it and wants to be led in the right direction Um, But I also loved that you're not shying away from other discussion topics around this. And one of the things that you had noted on there is that there has been um, a proven rise in body dysmorphia. Mm. Um, And why do you think this has happened? And, you know, you're speaking to so many women all the time about this. Are there any common concerns that you're seeing in how women see themselves? That is such... um an interesting point and a tricky question, Rose. It's um, how we see ourselves varies so much from person to person, but but the dissatisfaction with ourselves seems to be something that is, mm, I hate to say it, but it's being driven up by social media, yeah. by the constant sort of focus on looks, and then you look back at yourself and compare we all shouldn't compare. We all know that, but it's almost impossible not to. And we all do it, um, yeah. Yeah, we all do it. And um, with body dysmorphia, the the difficult thing is it's out there. In the normal population, the level is at about 2%, 2 to 4% of the normal population. But um, among the population that seeks cosmetic procedures, some studies have found it's up to like 20 25%. I think it's something that affects a lot of practitioners as well. But it's so tricky because that patient um, is a very difficult one to manage for the clinics because it's somebody who will have a fixation with a perceived flaw. I say perceived because it will be something that's very hard for anybody else to see. Um, And even if they do get treatment, they're very unlikely to be happy with the treatment because they'll either think it hasn't fixed it or if they can be shown enough pictures to convince them that things are different now, they'll then start fixating on some other part of their face. So it's a really difficult one because it's that's a patient that, who shouldn't really be being treated if, if it's for something that doesn't really exist. But depending yeah. on how sympathetic and knowledgeable the practitioner is that they go to, they either may be sent away or given treatment that isn't entirely appropriate it's really tricky, but I think um, it's one of the many things that social media is is not helping with. No, I'd agree, actually. I think it's definitely putting a tremendous amount of pressure on us and on everybody that we have both, I suppose, a way to compare ourselves to ourselves you know you've got that picture Mm. from five years ago when you felt great or whatever it is and you also have all of these other people that you're exposed to that you're thinking oh my gosh you know she has this and that and the other and I don't have that I think it's definitely something I'm guilty of it is but we all know we all know we we only put up our best pictures and yeah so often they are filtered or they're well lit or they've got fabulous makeup and that all changes things and then there's obvious things like when you stick a phone camera close to your your face your nose looks bigger your nose is not actually bigger it just happens to look bigger from some angles and a lot of the practitioners uh, they, they call it selfie dysmorphia they get 
people who come in saying, uh, showing pictures on their phones saying, help, help, I don't look like this anymore, and show uh, the practitioner the, the picture on their phones. And the practitioner has to look at it and say, you know, this is a filtered image. You never actually look like this. Yeah. And if they're brave enough to point this out to people, particularly young people who, who aren't going to listen, they may flounce off down the road giving a one-star review to somebody who's actually a very good and thoughtful practitioner who was only trying to help them and talk them out of doing stuff they didn't need to have done. So, yeah, Yeah. it's a a very real issue. And I I do try on social media to put up plenty of pictures where I'm not wearing makeup. Um, I'm often not that brave about putting up pictures where I don't look that great because then people start asking me what's wrong <laughs> so this is just normal I just didn't happen to be facing the light or I haven't washed my hair and that's just how it is sometimes and um, that's okay too. he starts to think other people are living this fabulous life I know, I know there's a lot of jokes going around now now we're all locked down about how there shouldn't be any FOMO because none of us are out there <laughs> doing anything. But it's all kind of still going down on social media, isn't it? Who's it is. having more fun on their Zoom silent discos or what have you? <laughs> I suppose two questions, Alice. What could we do uh, as individuals to change the way that we look at ourselves for the better? And what do you think the beauty industry could do as a collective to encourage people to look at themselves in a bit of a better way? Hmm. Well, I think one thing which I've which I've learned from you um, is to look in the mirror and look for the good. Yeah. Which where did I see you pointing this out? Was it on a Was it on a blog? Was it on a podcast? Do you know what we um, we actually have that on all of our mirrors as well in the oh, any counter. Oh, it's pretty okay, much well, everywhere, and it's I fab. love that too. Sorry. Yeah, that is such a great thing because. I'm very well aware, even at my advanced age, I look in the mirror and I'm looking for flaws. I'm looking for what's wrong and how we're going to correct it with makeup, with lighting, with hair. So for ourselves, we need to try and focus on what's right because, you know, you can always pull yourself to bits and and that's not going to get you anywhere. It's only going to take you down through sort of anxiety and um dissatisfaction with yourself you know you've got to learn ways to bolster yourself particularly at the moment so yeah looking in the mirror finding something that's great and thinking it's all right yeah and it just makes every day a bit more possible doesn't it it really does I remember we um we had little mirror stickers left over in the office and I took one home and I put it in my mirror in my flat and it's such a small practice to get into the habit of doing but it makes all the difference and sometimes just even having that five minutes of a realization for yourself to have a proper look rather than rushing about and thinking oh my gosh I need to do this that the other put a wash on whatever it might be just taking Mm. those little moments to take stock which again I think now that we're currently in this lockdown situation we all kind of have a little bit of extra time to do it can be really transformative and just make such a big difference yes and that that little idea of giving yourself a compliment every now and again it's quite alien to um, to Brits in general, but absolutely, it's something. If you can try and do that, somehow I find that easier than affirmations. I find it really difficult to stand there in the mirror saying, 
you are fine, you are fine, <laughs> you are fine, or whatever, or I am fine. But um, the idea of giving yourself a compliment as you would do to a friend, that I find a bit easier. And as for the beauty industry, I don't know. The beauty industry, I mean, very slowly it's starting to get a bit more real to reflect what's actually out there rather than its um, old-fashioned, idealised view of things. You know, yeah. we want all the faces in ads. We want a greater diversity of people in ads of all skin colours and body sizes and all of that. But any steps towards reality so that women can see somebody more like themselves represented, um, that's the kind of thing that creates more engagement when it comes to products and reality. It, it's such a difficult thing to to do because Often when things look too real, they're very off-putting, and we all know that, and that's why we love the glamour and the, the beauty and the perfection of all the, the sort of old-style way of doing things. But there is a middle way of making it much more inclusive, and, and that's the direction it all needs to go. And I think to your point there, Alice, it's also really key to, I suppose, have figureheads that you look to um, that are suitable in terms of someone that you see yourself in. Now, just to kind of come back to something that I know we touched on earlier on, but I'd, I'm really fascinated to kind of delve into this a bit more because it's something I'm quite passionate about as well. I just think at the moment in this time, we're so subjected to so much perfection on social media. And one of the things that we try and do as a brand at It Cosmetics is just be a bit more real, um, use real women in the campaigns, always show real results. And I know that that is very mirrored in everything that you do and your ethos of how you work. Um, do you think that people respect you more for kind of keeping that open conversation and that that's helped for you to develop the trust that you have now got with your readers and ladies that come to you for advice? I hope it has, Rose. I really hope it has. Because the difficulty is that, as you say, when you show real results, they aren't always the results that people want to see. And when I've had a procedure done and I show the after pictures and people say, huh, don't think much of that for that amount of money. Um, do you think it's worth it? And that that's a really difficult question that I try and answer always as honestly as possible saying, you know, it all depends. Also, my face isn't always the ideal one to show these procedures on because I've, I've got kind of pampered skin. It's been well looked after for, for years. I've, I've had a lot of work done in my face. So it's going to not show as big a result uh, often with these treatments than it would in somebody who hasn't had any of these things done over the years. Yeah. But with this fat transfer procedure I had before Christmas, for example, which is a major procedure, it's pretty aggressive. And I was hugely swollen afterwards. And <laughs> after any procedure, there tends to be a bit of a bit of a dip kind of two days later. First, you're really excited. You think, oh, I got through this. It's all right. I look all right. And then the swelling and the stiffness comes in. And by about day three, you're sitting there thinking, oh, what on earth have I done? I look like nothing on earth and I feel terrible. <laughs> my throat's <laughs> sore and my face is stiff. But I thought that would be a good moment at which to record a short video talking to the camera and just saying, 
okay, this is just trying to keep it real. This is what it's like after you've had it done. But I didn't realize till I had posted it and sort of played it back. I did look and sound like I was about to burst into tears at any moment, (laughs) just because my voice was really gravelly and my eyes were a bit red. You know, that was, that was how things are. But yeah. And quite a few people came back to me saying, oh, my God, I'm definitely not having this procedure now. Um, Well, great, because you've got to know this is what it involves, downs as well as ups. And and it's completely disingenuous to just sort of say, oh, here I am beforehand and I'm really excited. And then suddenly six weeks later, wow, I look fab, don't I? Isn't this great? Um, You know, there's there's a lot that goes on in between. These things do offer real results, genuine improvements, but the improvement for you, it, it may be at a different level for them for other people. And when people go onto the websites and look for before and after pictures, you know, they, they've got to know that those before and after pictures for any procedure, they will be the best that that brand or that clinic yeah. or that practitioner has ever come up with. And they're not going to show you the, the sort of majority of the people who get a sort of some results. But if they, I also say to them, you know, the, these clinics have devoted clients who go back again and again because they are seeing an improvement and it's enough of an improvement for them to want to go and pay their hard-earned money to have it done again. Um, So it may not be the most striking transformation in a two-dimensional still photograph, but if they can get patients to make a video a testimonial on a video about what a treatment's done for them. That's often hugely helpful for anybody else who's considering the procedure because it will show not just that the person's face looks better, but that it's gone and changed something about the way they feel about themselves. It's made them feel that bit more with it together. Yeah. Um, I'm always reluctant to sort of say, do tweakments to improve your confidence because I feel there's many other ways in which we ought to be working on confidence rather than simply relying on the way we look. But tweakments just never used to exist. Uh, it used to be aggressive facelifts or the kind of laser treatment that peeled your whole face off, you know, 25, 30 years ago. Um, there was nothing in between that and skincare. Whereas now there's an endless raft of procedures from the kind of um, facials that you get with a few extra bells and whistles of maybe laser or radio frequency on them. There's a huge range of things you could do to just take charge of the way you're managing the whole process of aging. And, that, and that's what these doctors and nurses and dentists who do these treatments can do for you. They can help you manage the way you look as you age in a way that simply wasn't possible before. And that I think is very empowering, particularly for middle-aged women who often feel they're becoming invisible. They find they are sliding into the background. They find younger colleagues are starting to call them granny or the professor. And along with wearing fabulous makeup, wearing a really sharp suit, having a few tweakments, this is what they tell me, can really just give them that edge that they can assert themselves much better with their younger colleagues and keep up with things and from that point of view it can help confidence no end absolutely and you know I know that you mentioned there that it's not necessarily one of the only things that you need or would like to pursue to feel the most confident aside from tweakments for example 
what are some of the things that make you feel the most confident and what are the steps that you take to build yourself up if you're not really feeling in that place? Mm, often not really feeling in that place <laughs> like this morning but what helps what helps I do a lot of exercise and that kind of has an indirect knock-on effect confidence-wise because if I feel more strong I feel more capable it's also it's something you can do even if work is presenting a lot of really knotty problems that you can't get your head around somehow going and doing something you can do like an exercise regime or a, a class that you're familiar with, that is um, that I find can make you think, right, I can do this. I can do yeah. other things. Also, also exercise has a really positive impact on, on your mood, doesn't it? All those endorphins. I, I mean, I find what really helps me because I'm, I'm not intrinsically a very confident person is people who will be cheerleaders for me. Um, I realize now I've got my fabulous team on the treatments guide, but whenever I'd be sitting there saying, Oh, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. Well, do you think I should do this? And they'll say, yes, of course you can. And I know not everybody's got a, a, a team, but we've usually got a friend or a parent or a, a partner who will be that person who will say, come on, you've got this. I find that a very hard thing to do for myself, but I find it much easier from other people. It's certainly something that we can do for other people. And maybe if you really haven't got anybody around, you can fulfill that role for you. You can find a way to do it for yourself, to sit down and have a proper talk with yourself and say, come on, you know that you really can do this and people want you to do this because, and then find a way forward from that. Because, you know, if one could throw a switch and be confident, that would be so fab, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I find it so easy to lose confidence in things. And um, anyway, what else? So, so that there's that, there's having cheerleaders, there's wearing clothes that make you feel assertive and yourself and in control. You don't want to be stuffed into some suit that doesn't agree with you, but you, you want something that represents who you are and how you'd like to be seen. And makeup, you know, come on, you know this. <laughs> makeup is so powerful. Definitely. Um, I have often stood up and given talks with no makeup on just to make the point that I could, you know, because I'll then talk about the makeup I use and how I apply it. And didn't even think about this till afterwards, one of these talks. People came up to ask questions and they didn't ask about all the brilliant, insightful, clever things I'd said, but they just said, you stood up and talked to us without any makeup on. And like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, but obviously that was something they would never have considered doing. So yeah. it made me really stop and think about how we present. So I know I just said makeup is really important. Makeup, I find if I'm not feeling confident, can make me feel much more together. That's how I put it. But I also know it's perfectly possible to stand up and, and do it without. And, and in a way, people quite like that or you know it's when you get real with them as well as when you say they say oh are you all right your neck looks a bit red and you say yes yeah, stress flush it it just happens the whole time I'm sorry I'm trying, trying to be like the swan gliding along the top but my body is saying panic <laughs> panic <laughs> and there's the giveaway so uh yeah you need to find what works for you and to have that on a checklist that you can run back to because when you lose confidence then it's, it's so easy for everything to drop and it all becomes a downward trend and 
you know, we all need to keep ourselves feeling strong and find ways of keeping that confidence within us. So, um, you know, I'd say to people to try different things and whatever they find for them to fasten onto that and, and to know that for themselves. Brilliant. Well, Alice, I've loved talking to you today, especially under the circumstances. I think it's more important than ever for all of us to be feeling as confident as possible so I'm so glad you were able to join us today there is a new book from you coming soon I believe so what is this one going to be about Alice uh, this is this is all about skincare this is a book I've been meaning to write for a long time but um, I've finally done it and it's just explaining all the basics about why you need to look after your skin and what you should use in order to do it and how it hasn't got to be rocket science. But because it does seem to have become rocket science in a lot of ways, this is just to help you through that whole minefield and work out what you might actually need and what you might not. Because it, it's all so complicated now that I find people are very confused about what they should be doing. They, they get sort of tied up in some of the sort of detail about, should I be using an essence of this? And yeah. you think, well, are you actually getting back to the basics of cleaning your skin, um, treating your skin with whatever it needs, and then protecting your skin from the environment? Those are really um, the basics. And I find some people who come to me for a, a sort of in-depth chat about, even about treatments, they I have no idea about skincare. And I'll say, what skincare do you use? And they'll say, oh, I don't bother with skincare. <laughs> it was seriously, you're contemplating spending all this money on, on lasers and whatnot, and, and you don't look after your skin because your skin is like this fundamental interface between you and the world. You know, it keeps the outside world out and you need it to be in great shape. And you don't actually need to do a massive amount to it to achieve that. Yeah. I think people feel they've maybe got to take on some 10-step regime and buy thousands of pounds worth of products, but it's more about developing a consistent practice with your skin and keeping it happy and working out what it needs to keep it happy. Um, I'm sure there's going to be so many people that want to talk to you after they've heard a few pieces of what you're going to say here. So please, could you tell us where we can find you and what we can expect to find when we do? Oh, sure. Well, I'm all over social media just under my name. That's um, Alice Hart Davis, A-L-I-C-E-H-A-R-T-D-A-V-I-S. And uh, my website is thetweakmentsguide.com. And um, and on the website, there is a shed load of information about treatments and about how to keep yourself safe in this area, how to find good practitioners and just the importance of educating yourself around it. So there's all of that. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Alice, for joining us. Well, Rose, thank you. It's been an absolute delight. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening. And if you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. You can find us on social media at It Cosmetics on Facebook, It Cosmetics UKI on Instagram, and discover more interviews like this at itcosmetics.co.uk. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you soon.